And we welcome you to another edition of the Double A Team. I'm your host, Stephen Nagishi. Uh, we thank you for joining on another edition of the program. Uh, I am solo tonight. Uh, Ken is off for personal reasons. Uh, he will be back in two weeks, so we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, I'm going solo tonight, so uh, <laughs> thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, our guest tonight is uh, Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. Uh, we're going to be covering the NFL draft, particularly the Bears. Obviously, next Thursday will be the NFL draft. Uh, the Bears don't have a first-round pick, so we'll have to wait until day two uh, for the Bears to make a pick unless they decided to move back into the first round, uh, which uh, would be somewhat of a a controversial decision considering the the amount of draft picks that the Bears have given up under Ryan Pace. And now this is where the Bears find themselves right now, strapped for cap, which is no longer the case. Uh, but, you know, we only have six draft picks to uh, work with. So I expect some uh, heavy uh, trade downs just to get some uh, few picks in the third and the fourth round. But we'll see where Ryan polls and the uh, the entire uh, front office. I'm sure they have done their homework, but the real test uh, will be uh, come next Thursday where they will be put to test uh, with their uh, football acumen and everything. But I'm going to start off, obviously, leading up to the um, uh, Austin's appearance uh, uh, momentarily. Uh, for anybody who lives in Chicago and uh, listen to the sports radio, whether it's 670 to score or ESPN 1000, uh, there was a, a, a appearance by Mike Florio, who, who many of you know from uh, NBC Football Night in America and the uh, uh, the main writer from Pro Football Talk. He went on, I believe, Mullion uh, Hall Wednesday. And obviously, we don't have the clip uh, to play, but he basically stated that the, uh, the way Ryan Poles have positioned this offseason with the moves and everything, they're just basically uh, giving up or don't have any faith in Justin Fields, which I find that a really, really preposterous. Um, you know, if you can go go to the Odyssey app and Google 670 to score Molly and Hot, just listen to that and it will probably make your blood boil uh, by listening. And then Friday or Saturday, Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated uh, posted an article. Uh, I'm sure you might have seen this on Twitter if you have a Twitter handle yourself. Uh, Justin Fields is why NFL needs a transfer portal, like a college transfer portal, um, which uh, we won't, you know, divulge into the article as itself. But basically, he's saying that, uh, you know, uh, Justin Fields uh, shouldn't be criticized for asking trade like as if it's a transfer portal. Uh, judging from the headlines, and first of all, it, it's it's uh, it's so shocking that uh, the media nowadays post something so egregious, you know, for clicks or and you know uh, likes. So it is just uh, the world we live in. Unfortunately, um, you know. We've we know people like Skip Bayless and Stephen A's of the world going on a morning show in their respective networks, ranting and saying outrageous stuff just to get riled up 
from many, many people. And that's just the world's, uh, that's just the, the, the media cycle that we live in, unfortunately. And also the perception of the Chicago Bears uh, certainly doesn't help. And there is a validity to it. And I get it, you know, why these people put up an article or go on shows and make some outrageous stuff like that. And I'm not accusing them of making some stuff up or they can see into the future. But like I said, you know, Ryan Poles and uh, the Bears have their works cut out. Next Thursday, they are going to be put to the test. Uh, for three months since they took over the job, they had to work their ass off. Their scouts had to review every tape, go over their reports and everything. So now that the, their work, uh, their labor of work will now be put to test. Look, not everybody's going to be happy about some of the players that the Bears get, regardless of whether they trade up or trade down. But whoever they get, uh, you know, we'll make a decision on it. Maybe we'll come back to the show two weeks from now and maybe touch on, you know, whether or not, whether the players that we got really make any sense or are going to make any impact. So I am willing to put these articles aside finally once and for all and just wait for the next week finally to come so that we can finally move on and then get a better idea where the Chicago Bears are now uh, once and for all. All right. So joining us now uh, from Pro Football Focus, PFF, uh, Director of Content, uh, Austin uh, Gale is joining us. Austin, thank you so much. How are you doing tonight? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Austin. We really appreciate it on uh, short notice. Um, Austin, you're part of the media. Right. I, you, you, you're, you know, you're part of the media. I, I just touched on what, you know, the people like the, the Florios and Connor Ors of the world are saying regarding the bears. Um, obviously the perception is the reality. You know, the bears suck. You know, there's no question about it. It's where, you know, the receivers go to die, you know, quarterbacks are never, you know, developed. We're still talking about Sid Luckman's on television every year. Um, you know, when there's a national broadcast and all of that, um, when you when you see articles or headlines like that, where do you stand on you know the Justin Fields potential and you know do you th do you see him reaching that with the uh, the Bears? I, I do think that Justin Fields has been put in a really difficult position due to a lot of short term decision making by you know the Bears. Right, you look right. at them trading up big for Justin Fields. That's Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, and then in the second round they trade up big for Tevin Jenkins, the Oklahoma State offensive tackle, and that has really lost a lot of resource, right? They've gave up a lot of resource to make those two selections. It hasn't like immediately panned out. And now you lose Allen Robinson in an off season, you lose Khalil Mack in an off season. And you could argue that the team hasn't got significantly better over the course of the last six months. And that's super concerning. And now he has a new coaching staff and there's a new office coordinator and all that stuff kind of comes into place for just inconsistent approach and development. And that's roster development and that's field development as well. I, I don't think he's been put in a really good position to take the next step so much is going to be put on um, you know, him to improve by himself. The offensive line is not vastly improved. The receiving core takes a step back without Allen Robinson. It's going to be very difficult for him to kind of take this next step. I do think the Bears are, are put in a bad place. I don't think that's anything against Fields, right? What it is more against is just like some of the short-term decision-making by the previous staff. That is true. You know, Ryan Pace and uh, Matt Nagy's uh, short-sightedness have uh, really, really – costed the the bears you know from a 
cap standpoint and uh, draft picks. We only have six picks uh, to work with. Um, by the way, if you have any questions uh, geared to Austin, uh, whether it's Bears or any other teams for that matter, uh, although we're collecting uh, questions, uh, so feel free to, uh, you know, to, uh, shoot them on the comments section. Um, with the six picks that the Bears have to work right now, obviously the, the, the Bears need in no particular order are receivers, uh, offensive linemen, and uh, cornerbacks uh, in no particular order right now. If you had to pick with a 39 and 48 in the second, the second round, provided that they don't make any moves, mm -hmm. um, where, how, how do you see the Bears you know, filling those two uh, positions or three positions that I just mentioned? Yeah, I think some receivers that could be available at that 39 spot, right, or Sky Moore of Western Michigan, who I'm super high on, but I don't think the league will see him as maybe a top 35 pick. I think the other receiver that makes sense is Jahan Dotson of Penn State. And I think it's really important that they do attack the offensive side of the ball, the ball, right, because like it's less important that they win football games this year as much as it is important for them to develop Justin Fields and give him weapons. Is Justin Ross going to be available? Jalen Tolbert, South Alabama, Christian Watson, North Coast State, Alec Pierce, Cincinnati. Like, I wouldn't even hate at 39 and 48 them double dipping on the offensive side of the ball, going wide receiver and then potentially interior offensive line. I think you could maybe grab Darian Kennard, who played tackle at Kentucky, but likely slots into guard at the next level and probably you know produces early on. Dylan Parham of Memphis is another name that comes to mind in terms of an interior offensive lineman that could come in and start pretty early. I think it's important that they allocate a lot of their draft capital to the offense less so prioritizing maybe holes they have on defense and more so prioritizing like, Hey, let's actually give Justin Fields a fair shake. Mm -hmm. The name George Pickens from Georgia is a very popular name among the, uh, you know, the draft Knicks. And even in this uh, chat room, uh, uh, you know, we have a different uh, uh, shows that cover the NFL draft. Uh, um, you know, we, we joke that, uh, you know, Ryan Pace used to be used to like the Georgia guys and, you know, he leaves and he's, you know, somebody that George, you know, George Pickens is a you know popular name, like I said, but, you know, he's had some, uh, injury histories and he had some, uh, you know, uh, discipline issue where I remember he got kicked out of a team or got penalized for throwing a water bottle bottle at a player in one, one of the games, I believe Tennessee, a couple of years ago. Where do you where do you stand on George Pickens? I'm a huge fan of his game. I, I think he's one of the best. He has easily the best hands in the draft. I think he's a very sure-handed wide receiver that teams will covet him for how he attacks the vertical route tree. That's the hitch, the comeback, and the and the go ball. And I think that's those are some of the more valuable routes. It's very similar to the route tree that Denzel Mims ran coming out of Baylor or, or DK Metcalf coming out of Ole Miss. And the concern is I think he goes a lot higher than that 39th pick. I think there's a really good chance that the Chiefs target him at the back end of the first round or the Green Bay Packers target him at the back end of the first round because he's got really good size for the position and his one is an outside receiver in the SEC. So I, I don't know if he will be available for the Bears in the second round, but if he is, that, that's a name I really do like, and I like him ahead of Jahan Dotson. I like him ahead of you know, Jalen Tolbert and Justin Ross on the back end. Uh, you mentioned Dotson and uh, Sky Moore. Now, both are kind of a sub-six-foot uh, receiver, and the Bears already had that with uh, you know uh, Darnell Mooney. Uh, is there any problems putting – you know, two receivers or three of them, let's just say double dipping. And you have three receivers or two or three receivers who are like six foot or sub. 
um, you don't see any concerns because they're both, you know, have a different skill sets. So. I think it would be a little concerning, say they went Dotson more and then you have Mooney. I think that is a very small receiving core, but Mooney is a vertical stretcher, right? Really, really good speed for the position. And they want him to win down the football field. Whereas Sky Moore, I think can do it all. I think he's one of the more versatile receiving prospects in this class. I think he can win the deep, short and intermediate levels of the football field. And they honestly are going to need a separator, right? They need a guy that can create separation at the release point and at the stem and, you don't have that in Mooney, in my opinion. You don't have that in the other receivers on this in this class. Like, I, I don't think they can afford to attack certain skill sets as much as they need guys that could get open. And I think Sky Moore of any of the ones, any of the receivers that could be available in that spot, I think he's one of the best available. Okay, there are a couple of receivers that are also uh, that needs to be mentioned: Christian Watson, North Dakota State. Uh, is he going in the first round, in your opinion? I don't think he ultimately does. I, I like him a lot. I think he's obviously got really good size for the position. You have to bet on his trajectory as well. You know, I talked to North Coast State head coach Matt Entz, and you know, he spoke so much to how much he's improved over the course of his career at North Coast State. He was elected as a captain this past season. The issues I have are his ball skills. Like I still think he's really developing as a guy that can catch the football in traffic, catch the football even when open. He just doesn't attack the ball that well. But uh, you know, frame and, and speed and athleticism can make up for a lot of that, right? And I think that ultimately will benefit him in the NFL. Can, will, will he have to learn the nuances of the position and improve his hands? Sure. Even Coach Matt Enns told me that. I asked him, what's the biggest area Watson needs to improve? He's said, hands. He's just attack the ball better, work the jugs machine. That's what's ultimately going to help him, like, last in the NFL. Mm -hmm. uh, the other popular name that is being mentioned in the uh, mock drafts for the Bears is uh, Alec Pierce of uh, Cincinnati. He's a local kid. Uh, from Illinois area. Um, tell us about what you think of him. And uh, do you think uh, spending a second round on him is a bit of a reach or, or I don't know necessarily. I mean, maybe a little bit, right. I think there's some concerns with like how much of the route tree he can run, but he's a big bodied athletic explosive receiver. I honestly like Alec Pierce more than Christian Watson. I think he's offers a very similar, similar skill set, And you're going to ask him to do a lot of the same things, but already has better ball skills. And you saw that, like how often, you know, Ritter went after him in the red zone in high leverage situations, critical situations. He just explodes at the line of scrimmage and um, and wins that vertical route. And I, I think he's got way better ball skills than what Christian Watson has. And that's just going to show up in the league, right? And that's what's going to earn him targets early in his career. Mm -hmm. What under-the-radar receivers do you think that the Bears could draft uh, that would fit their system? That could be like a, you know, a contributor that many people are not maybe paying attention or sleeping on. I'm still a big fan of Jalen Tolbert, the South Alabama wide receiver. I, I think he was one of the more impressive wide receivers at the senior bowl as a local kid. He's from Mobile, Alabama. And I think he has good athleticism, not great athleticism, but he attacks the ball well, really productive in college. I also really like the Rutgers receiver, Bo Melton, who is probably a slot only in the NFL, but really good speed, former four-star recruit. He's from the New Jersey area, had offers to go to Michigan and some of these other bigger receivers and or bigger classes, or, or sorry, bigger schools, and decides to stay in Jersey, stay at Rutgers. And I think that was really, you know, it shows just like he's a bigger prospect than maybe what Rutgers normally gets. And um, Justin Ross is another one too, who you're banking on a little bit of, you know, what he did his true freshman season. Um, right. But I think Justin Ross, if he can like get back to where he was another really good hands catcher contested guy that I think, you know, this receiving class is very deep. And I think you could benefit from a lot of guys that will be available round two, round three. All right, let's go to the uh, offensive line. Um, you know, the bears invested finally, you know, like you said earlier, you know, moving up to get Jenkins. And then 
you know, they drafted uh, Larry Borum, who the Bears fans are somewhat split. You know, they hear so much about, you know, Borum is a swing tackle. He's, you know, he's not a left tackle, blah, blah, blah. Where do you see either one of them uh, playing and what's their natural position in your opinion? And you mentioned Tevin Jenkins, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't and Larry Borum. Yeah, Borum probably kicks inside, but he's got enough size to play outside. Jenkins, I think, needs to stick out a right tackle. I mean, I think the biggest thing for him is just got to stay healthy. And back injuries linger. You know, that's always the concern with back injuries. And if he can get back healthy, I think he was, you know, good enough at Oklahoma State and good enough prospect where I want to continue to try him at right tackle. For Borum, I never liked the foot speed coming out of Missouri. And I think I'd rather see him in a phone booth so he doesn't get beat up by, you know, speed along the edge. So that guy, you know, Borum's probably going to stick inside. And then Jenkins, you just have to hope that, you know, making that investment, he could stick out at right tackle. Okay. If that's the case, uh, give us a couple of tackles, you know, who can play left tackle that the Bears could draft at 39 or 48? It, it'll be difficult, right? I mean, it's a position that the league covets. You know, offensive tackle, you rarely see, like, legitimate starters entering day two. But if I had to give one name, I think it would be Abraham Lucas. And I talked to a lot of evaluators in the league and even a reporter here at PFF, Doug Kai, and they say, don't be surprised if Abraham Lucas goes in the first round. He's got really good traits for the position, a ton of experience playing left tackle in the Pac-12, and he's done it in the Mike Leach offense where they throw the football a thousand times. And he is right now, I think, inside the top 50 on PFF's draft board. I think he goes higher than that at 39. Abraham Lucas, I think we can immediately slot in as a left tackle. And is he going to have, like, you know, an elite player out of the gate? No, but I think he'll be a serviceable one that is way well worth the bet at pick 39 or even if he's available at 48 hmm. the other uh offensive tackle names that you're that i see on the uh, you know the mock drafts uh, central michigan's bernard uh, ryman i hope i'm pronouncing it correctly mm-hmm. um w- what do you like about him what's his strength what's his weakness uh do you see him as a being a good fit for the bears yeah, I like, I like him a lot. I think Mike is a huge fan of Bernard Ryman. Mike is my podcast co-host and the lead draft analyst here at PFF. Huge fan of his. He's obviously the Austrian-born monster that went to Central mm-hmm. Michigan and had a lot of success playing tackle. I think he was a former tight end converted tackle. Short arms for the tackle mm-hmm. position, but he still clears the 33-inch threshold that you know, a lot of teams covet at the, at the tackle position. So if Ryman's available on day two, I think that's a huge win. You know, Tyler Smith is getting you know, moved up and up and draft boards, the Tulsa offensive tackle. But that's another one. If he's available on day two, I'm springing the card in for Tyler Smith at 39. You know, and the more I talk about it and, and specifically speaking to the Bears needs, there could be some legitimate talent there. But I just know how much the league covets offensive tackle. And it's why Tyler Smith is getting rumored as a first rounder. Abraham Lucas is getting rumored as a first rounder. Bernard Ryman could sneak in at the back end. Like a lot of these guys, if you think they could start early on and, and feel like they have, you know, favorable, projectable careers, just considering the positional value that tackle position is just going to get vaulted up to a point where guys that maybe would be available day two are, are going to go up into the first round. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Trevor Penning uh, too, too far of a player for the Bears to reach? I, I think for me, I'm not as high on Trevor Penning as the league is, but from all that I've heard, I think he could go as high as 17 to the Chargers or even maybe inside the top 10. He's been mocked that high as well. He's just like a rare athlete, and a lot of teams bet on – the uncoachable traits he has. One is athleticism, two is size, and then he also is just like a nasty demeanor that a lot of offensive line coaches, you know, flock to. When you talk to evaluators in the NFL, you know, they see demeanor, that mean streak, as something that's uncoachable. Like you can't, you can't get that out of a player in the NFL. He's got to have it on the inside. And I think that's, you know, a lot of teams will cover that when they are evaluating offensive tackle prospects. Mm-hmm. 
talking about the um, interior linemen uh, for the Bears, I know a lot of Bears fans are, you know, early on thought about Tyler Lindenbaum and, you know, Zion Johnson being available. But obviously, I have a strong feeling that uh, both will be uh, probably mid to late first round picks. Uh, is that a safe assumption? Yeah, I don't know if uh, Linderbaum will be available on day two, but there are a lot of interior offensive linemen I like on day two. I think Luke Adecki, who's the other offensive tackle from Central Michigan, shorter arms, probably gets kicked inside the guard. He was on my podcast recently, super smart player. Uh, I, I think he's going to be a guy that comes in and, and has a lot of success early on. He's a strong-willed dude that I think wants to win at the next level. I think the other guy, too, I like is Cole Strange at Chattanooga. Thinner, lower half than what you're looking for, but explosive dude that um, I think teams will cover there as well. Luke Fortner of Kentucky is another one at Ingram, LSU. I, I do think, you know, for you know, there's this class specifically is really good uh, in terms of day two depth, that interior offensive line, off-ball linebacker, and safety. And for teams that are looking for starters at any of those three positions, I don't think you need to be picking in the first round to go get them. So I think the Bears are in a fortunate spot if they're looking at any of those positions, especially uh, interior offensive line. That's good to know. That's good to know. Okay, let's switch to the uh, the secondary, the corner position. Uh, Roger McCrary's name has been pretty popular amongst the, uh, you know, the people within our network. Um where do you see him and uh, does his short arm, you know, like a 28 inch I'm, I'm reading, is that, is that of a major concern to you or is that just of a all, all talk and nothing else? It's definitely a concern, right? There's very few cornerbacks in the NFL with sub 30 inch arms that stick it on the outside and they have to, you know, a lot of the ones that do Dante Jackson of Carolina, among others, like they legitimately have to burn. Like they have to have really good speed to make up for some of that lackluster length. And I think what ultimately happens is Roger McCreary goes on day two to a defense that wants to play a lot of man coverage and is willing to kind of stick him in the slot. And I think he wants to, you know, he wants to do whatever he can in the NFL. I was talking with the senior bowl and they were asking him to play zone coverage. He's like, yeah, I've never done it before, but I'll do it. I think a team that runs a lot of man coverage and is looking for like a, a heady slot player. I think that's where Roger McCreary ultimately goes. And, is that concerning, right? Do you want your cornerbacks to have longer length and, and have more like inside outside versatility? Sure. But in terms of a day two pick, someone who's super productive in the SEC, I'm a big fan of McCreary's game on day two. Okay. Um, let's see. Another popular name are Kyler Gordon and uh, Trent McDuffie, mm -hmm. uh, both, I believe, from Washington. If you had to pick one, if both are still available for the Bears, which one uh, would you pick and why? I'm a huge Trent McDuffie fan. I think Trent McDuffie is ultimately a first rounder and Kyler Gordon can fit into that as well. Two guys also with concerning arm length though. They have great athleticism. They're smooth movers, you know, explosive in and out of their stance, but you're probably going to want to play them into a, a zone scheme, right? You're not going to ask them to play a lot of man coverage, press man and all that kind of stuff. You're going to need them in, you know, too high cover two, cover four type of looks where you're not asking them to bully line of scrimmage, you know, wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. I think McDuffie ultimately is, you know, a first round talent and Kyler Gordon maybe sneaks into the back end, but I'm leaning McDuffie or Gordon, even though both are, really productive players coming out of the university of Washington, very good athletes as well. What about Andrew Booth jr. From Clemson? I know he had a, a hernia. Uh, is that a concern or is that a, is that something that uh, doesn't concern you long-term at all? 
Yeah, the injury concern is always going to pop up with Booth. Like, you just wanted to see more from him. But he's one of my favorite players in this class, honestly. I think he's vastly underrated. I have him as a top 20 player. And, you know, I see a lot of mock drafts that have him falling to the Bengals at 31 or, you know, other teams in the 20s. I think the Philadelphia Eagles should be considering him at 16, right? I think he's that good of a player and uh, really good in man coverage, physical guy, wants to tackle. I don't know why he's, you know, why there's this viewed as big of a gap between Stingley and Sauce to Booth. I think Booth could be a lot closer than people think. I don't think this is wide gap that we're seeing a lot of mock drafts. Mm-hmm. Is that Alfie Gurich, his teammate, a better player than Booth? I would argue Booth's better. I'm a big Booth fan. I think he is a better prospect, better athlete across the board. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, the other underrated uh, need for the Bears is probably a three technique. Um, you know, Akeem Hicks is uh, probably not going to be coming back at all. You know, the Bears signed Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, they uh, they had to, uh, you know, cancel the contract because of the foot in- issue that uh, plagued them. Um, what, what players uh, would be a good fit for that position, in your opinion? Yeah, so it's not a great draft if you're looking for day two, day three, three techs. If I had to highlight one, maybe it's, a you know, Matthew Butler of Tennessee, Perion Winfrey, Oklahoma, but it's a yeah. better Logan Hall. If he falls that far, I think is an option, but there is some bigger bullies that can help to gap at the next level. Travis Jones of UConn. Um, yeah. I really, you know, Federian Mathis, you go Tito Obanaya, Mark one, you know, bully ball McCall is what they call him. I think there's a lot of big run stuffing defensive tackles, Neil Farrell jr. Of LSU that, if you're looking for guys that won't offer a ton as pass rushers, but can't offer a lot as run defenders and free up one-on-ones for other guys, I think that's where you're more looking. But honestly, with the depth of this interior defensive line class, I doubt it's a direction they're taking, especially at three tech. One of the positions that I've always probably myself included as some of the bears fans have had concerns is the, uh, the safety position, you know, Eddie Jackson regressed pretty badly since he got the big contract. Uh, we still haven't figured out a, way to replace Adrian Amos. Um, what safety, you know, there are a couple of guys that I'm very uh, interested in, you know, Kirby Joseph from Illinois, you know, being an Illinois fan. Um, tell us about Kirby Joseph and his fit for the Bears. Long arm core, I mean, safety prospect. I think best fits probably in the box somewhere. I don't love him at deep safety. I don't love his like COD and, and explosiveness, but I think in the box, I think he's got the arm length to like stick it up against tackles. He's also got good ball skills. Like I think he tacks the ball well and, and will get his hand on the football. I think my favorite of the day two, day three safeties, probably after Lewis seen Jaquan Brisker is Nick cross, Nick cross, insane range coming out of Maryland. I think he also is more physical than people are letting on. I, I like Nick cross a lot. Brian cook of Cincinnati is a really physical player that is going to get dragged down draft boards. Cause he was too hurt to be, you know, a big part of the pre-draft process and probably a little bit further down. If I had to highlight maybe like a, a flyer is Tyson Anderson, the uh, the safety out of Toledo, who I think has really good athleticism and speed as well. That project player, you're not going to ask to start right out of the gate, but someone with enough tools to maybe project into a developmental role. Mm-hmm. The linebacker position is somewhat of a need, obviously. Danny Trevathan, a June first cut. You know, the Bears added, uh, you know, Nick Morrow. Um, you know, you pair with that with uh, Roquan Smith. Um what linebackers do you see the Bears could be looking at and maybe fitting that position of need in your opinion? Yeah, I think two come to mind immediately, or maybe three. Like Brian Asimo of Oklahoma, if available, could be an option for them. I think he's a super athletic player that they're going to look for. Chad Muma of Wyoming, I think is a very heady linebacker prospect that – 
you know, probably plays the best linebacker of any of the position, you know, any of those guys that will be available after Nicobe Dean and Devin Lloyd, but isn't the same athlete as some of these other ones. And probably the other one to name is Troy Anderson, uh, played running back his freshman year at Montana State. Then he played quarterback and then finally got the opportunity to play linebacker this past season. And one of the most athletic off-ball linebacker prospects in this class, I think any three of those guys would be options for them on day two, day three. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody mentioned Stephen Weatherford, I believe, from Miami of Ohio. Is he mm-hmm. more of a linebacker or is he more of a safety? Highly. Definitely more of a linebacker. I, I don't love his. I don't love like his speed. I know he's like tested better than you know I maybe thought, but I, on on tape he just doesn't look as explosive and as swift as you want from the position. I know he played more safety at Miami of Ohio, but really concerning when you could stack him up against some of the other, you know, you know, actual linebacker prospects in this class. I'm not as big on Weatherford. And I don't think he had that good of a senior bowl, to be honest. I wanted him to pop off the tape a little bit more in Mobile. I'd rather lean into some of the other guys that will be available. All right. So we're going to switch a little bit of a subject here and look at the draft overall as a, you know, as a whole. Um, Let's talk about the other NFC North teams, Detroit, Green Bay and Minnesota, what do you see them doing uh, in the draft this year? Detroit, I think, is going to lock into an edge at number two overall, whether that's Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, or Kayvon Thibodeau. I think they're going to go one of those three guys. And at 32, I honestly think they still might consider quarterback. I think they could go Sam Howell, Matt Corral, you know, whoever it may be at 32, just maintain five years of control, rookie contract, and take a flyer on just one of the guys that they maybe like in this class. For Green Bay, I don't hate the idea of them double dipping at receiver or going receiver offensive line. I think you know some of my favorite drafts have been, you know, Bernard Ryman, Central Michigan, and then maybe they grab Traylon Burks or Sky Moore and Tyler Smith of Tulsa. I think they go double dip on offense there, one offensive lineman, one wide receiver. And for Minnesota, it's got to be one of the corners, right? If Derek Stingley's there, they take him. If Ahmad Garner's there, they take him. And I think one of those two players should be available to the Minnesota Vikings at 12. And uh, that they're going to get a really good football player, regardless of who they snag, if it's between those two corners. Um, obviously, the quarterbacks the class of this year is pale in comparison to the year before. Um, you mentioned Detroit taking a quarterback at 32. Um, is there anybody, do you see being taken before that or is this uh, uh not a, obviously not a, not a year to you know pony up or move up to get a quarterback but what do you see in this year's quarterbacks class I think at least three come off the board in the first round. I, okay. I do think that Malik, I, I do think that Malik Willis comes off the board at some point. Uh, people betting on his upside, his arm talent, his athleticism. I think Kenny Pickett has enough fans for where he's going to go inside the first round as well. And then one of Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, Matt Crowell is going to be this other quarterback that comes off the board too. I don't know which one will be. I think the league's probably highest of those three on Ritter, and I'm the highest on Ritter as well. He's my QB one in this class. But Willis is just too talented to go outside the first 32. And I think Pickett has enough fans of his accuracy and just how good he was at Pittsburgh this past year that I think he'll be another one that goes in the first round as well. Would Carolina pick a, uh, pick at a seven as has been rumored to be because uh, Matt Rule recruited him to come to ten, ten, uh, Temple before he left for Baylor? I think so. I think the betting markets are smart to have, you know, Kenny Pickett being a Carolina Panther at plus 150, which is really low for a team picking all the way down at six. Um, I think that where there's smoke, there's fire with that one. I think if Kenny Pickett's available at six, the Carolina Panthers will strongly consider drafting him in that spot. Mm -hmm. The the number one pick overall is Jacksonville. Um, 
Is uh, Marvin Neal the uh, the consensus number one as a you know somebody to protect uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, long term, or do they go edge like uh, you know Thibodeau or Hutchinson, whoever it is, or even Walker for that matter? Yeah, I think you know the 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 betting odds right now have it as Aiden Hutchinson's the favorite to go number one overall, and that's kind of been the case ever since they franchise tag Cam Robinson. Cam Robinson played left tackle for them last year. I don't think it's still. I still, I still think it's an option for them to go offensive line, right? I think they could go get Iki Aquanu, Evan Neal, Charles Cross at, at number one overall if they wanted to. But I, I think they're ultimately going to go edge, and it's going to be either Trayvon Walker of Georgia betting on just freakish athleticism and and size and and upside, or Aiden Hutchinson, who I think has a much higher floor in the NFL, floor pass rushing production at least, and that ultimately could draw them to, to Aiden. But I think it's one of those two, Walker or Aiden, that goes number one overall. Okay, um, since my co-host Ken Fang is uh, off tonight, uh, he's a Browns fan. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Browns gave away so much to get uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, what do you see the Browns doing with the, whatever the pecs that they have uh, in this year's draft? I, th- I think it's going to be very difficult for them to add talent, right, because they don't have a lot of capital in this year's draft now after obviously trading as much as they have. I think their first pick in the draft is 44th overall. They don't have a lot of holes, though. I mean, if – Deshaun Watson's able to play early on, I think it's going to be a team that's going to be able to compete in the playoffs, right? They have picks 44, 78, and 99 inside the top 100. If they had needs, it's receiver. You know, they could be looking at wide receiver. I think Jahan Dotson, same names that kind of come up for the Bears, right? Jahan Dotson, Sky Moore, Christian Watson, Alec Pierce. They could go after one of those types. And I think they also have needs along the defensive line. And that could be interior defensive line or even edge. And I don't think it's a bad idea for them to to trade back, right? If they want to trade back and allocate more picks and and pick up more rookie contracts as they know their cap's going to get a lot hotter with um, Deshaun Watson, I think that'll be very difficult as well. Okay. Um. Olave and Wilson are obviously the t- uh, you know the top two receivers, both from Ohio State. I know a lot of Bears fans are, you know, <laughs> we're hoping that one of them would drop, but obviously that is no longer the case right now. Um, which is a better prospect right now, and uh, why? I'm a huge Chris Olave fan. And I think a lot of people would have Garrett Wilson as the number one wide receiver, and rightly so. And he's more dynamic, better after the catch, more sudden with his movements. But Chris Olave, hyper-efficient feet, a guy that I think wins the valuable routes, can win downfield. The only reason I wouldn't have him as a wide receiver one, you know, the wide receiver one in this class, he just doesn't offer anything after the catch. He's very similar to Calvin Ridley's profile in that way, where Calvin Ridley just wins down the football field, the deep comeback, the deep post and all that stuff, and isn't someone that's going to break a ton of tackles or, or make people miss after the catch and gain yards that direction. But as long as you're winning down the field and winning on a high average depth of target, you don't need yak ability, right? You don't need yak ability to succeed. So I like Alave over Wilson, but it's still pretty close. Okay, fair enough. And then finally, let's talk about the Giants. The Bears have their they have the Bears pick. They have two picks within the uh, top seven right now. You know, they're starting over like the Bears are with new GM and the head coach. Um, what do you see the Giants doing with those two picks? I think the, the best case scenario for the Giants is to probably go either is edge and offensive tackle. At number five, if they can get one of Ike Aquanu, Evan Neal, or Charles Cross, and then at seven, you know, if you have George Karloftis, Trayvon Walker, or Kayvon Thibodeau available, I think that's the other selection, right? I think double dipping in the trenches, going offensive tackle and edge is the best case scenario. If they don't do that, I think maybe going corner then. If they can get 
you know, a mod Gardner with one of those picks. And then also, cause I know that James Bradbury's tenure there in New York might be short lived. I think they're looking to get out of that contract. It's they want to go corner and offensive tackle or corner and edge. I think that's another option too, but picking at five and seven, man, it's going to be hard to screw up. I think that's the sweet pot, sweet, the best two, one or two of the best places to be picking in this draft. Like no more overall, you know, there isn't, you know, I think there's reason for them to want to trade down because there's a lot of talent in that same like tier up top. Mm-hmm. So, Let's start taking some questions here. Okay, so we have the Bears obviously needing a punter. Your your thoughts on Matt Ariaza? Matt Ariza, I believe yeah. from San Diego State. What do you think? Yes, of uh, he's he's a phenomenal deep punter. I think he's a guy that you know can really light it up eighty yards down the field. I think that's why he's been so highlighted at San Diego State. I do think that he's had the luxury of not needing to like coffin corner a ton of things and like stick things inside the 10. I think Jordan Stout of Penn state is another really, really talented punter prospect that is more of a controlled punter than just an absolute, you know, like weapon in terms of just like lighting it up from like deep in the 20. And then the other guy I'd highlight too is Ryan Stonehouse who has a really good leg is a little bit more compact um, compared to what, you know, teams look for at the punter position teams want long, tall, long laid guys. And he's a little bit shorter, but still has a, is an absolute cannon of a leg. And I think he'll be coveted as well. Okay. So the, so bears could probably pick six or seventh on a punter in the names that you just mentioned, and they'd probably be better off with it. Oh, absolutely. I, I do think that this, this punter class is pretty solid so much that maybe you can get some guys in the seventh round or even undrafted free agents that'll, you know, at least be camp legs to start. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerome with a question. Uh, why can't Jenkins play left tackle? That's actually a you know good question. Um, he played both positions, obviously. Is it because of the his back or is there more to it? I don't think it's so much that he can't play left tackle. I think it's just, you're going to be asking him to do a different thing than he did at Oklahoma state. And like, it's just like, it's hard to, it's hard to flip a player's footwork. And it's, I don't, it's never something you can't do, but you talk to people who've played in the op, played the offensive line a long time in the NFL or guys who've coached offensive linemen. It's so much easier said than done, you know, flipping a guy's footwork. Is it possible for Jenkins? Absolutely. I don't think anything is impossible for you know the athletes in the NFL, but I think he, he's going to be much more comfortable playing the same position. Obviously he played a ton of at Oklahoma state. Mm-hmm. All right, Jordan, with a question. Uh, your, your, let's hear your Kyle Hamilton take. Are you top five generational talent high, or is he uh, Isaiah Simmons 2.0? His name has been, you know, pretty popular, and I know there were some outrage when somebody put him at number three with the Jets early on or something. Um, where do you stand on Kyle Hamilton? Yeah, I don't think you know generational talent is tough, right? I think he, you know, he did not test as a generational talent. There's definitely concerns there. And um, I still feel that he's a top 15 talent in this class. And that's probably the range I feel really good about taking him that 10 to 15, 10 to 16 range because of you know low positional value at safety. And also like just did not test in the same tier as Derwin James and other guys that we've really coveted at the safety position. But I do think that you can play any scheme you want. You talk to coach Brian Kelly, who obviously is now coaching at LSU, but coach Cal Hamilton before he said he's the most versatile player I've ever coached. And like you see, a lot of that versatility on defense i think he's going to be a guy that you can ask to do a lot of things and in a league where the safety position is getting increasingly valued it's what it's four guys that can play the deep half can also play the deep third come down into the box and i think kyle hamilton could do all those things all right uh let's have some next question uh austin who will drop in round two and who do you think the bears should target realistically i think we were hitting the nail on the head earlier Stephen, in that you know you can attack 
early on the receiving class that should be available, a Sky Moore, Christian Watson, Alec Pierce, but then also look at interior offensive line and linebacker. Go grab, you know, Leah Chanel if he falls that far. Go grab, um, you know, Christian Harris of Alabama, Brandon Smith, Penn State, and then interior offensive line, Darian Kennard, Dylan Parham, Cole Strange. Like you can go get starters at interior offensive line and linebacker at the top of day two. And then also, I also think if you're scraping the bottom of that wide receiver class, there's still going to be a lot of high-end talent available in that, you know, 39 to 40 range. Do you think they should trade down if the if the offers are available? I think so. I think you advocate for trading down anytime you're a roster that doesn't have obvious holes and isn't in a window, right? You could say they're in a window right now because Justin Fields is on a rookie contract, but until that roster improves, you're not going to be in a window. Okay. Uh, let's go to the next question. Uh, is this draft class worth trading 2023 20, picks to tap into? You know, I mentioned about yeah. earlier maybe the Bears might – move into the uh, latter half of the uh, the first round you know they have to might give up a high 2023 first round or even a second round pick is it worth it i'd probably argue no right i, I don't know if like you want to be mortgaging <laughs> i don't think the bears are in any position to mortgage more future draft capital right, right. like they kind of have to play the cards they're dealt play the cards are dealt trade back if anything and and try and add more talent on rookie contracts as you start to get out of a little bit of cap hell with the khalil mack deal and sure. the eddie jackson deal and all that stuff all right, let's go to the next question here. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. So this question was already answered. Okay. So this is a non draft uh, question. Uh, Miles Boykin, who was drafted in the third round by the uh, Ravens, I believe, uh, two, three years ago, he was released today. Obviously, the Bears have a need for receiver. Uh, I, I definitely think he was misused in Baltimore. And I'd like to know what a scout thinks of him then and now. I definitely think Miles Boykin coming out was viewed very similarly like Christian Watson. Like Chris, oh, Miles Boykin was this big, athletic, fast speedster, but like didn't have the ball skills or the production that you really want. Now, I think Watson's a better prospect than what Boykin is, but mm -hmm. it's very similar in that like he still needs to develop into a high end receiver. Like his routes aren't that efficient. He hasn't. He doesn't have a lot of experience being like a high target guy. So. Not surprised the Ravens released him. I think they were more interested in developing some of the other receivers they have on that roster. And for a team that's going to pick him up, it's it's more about giving him the opportunities, right? Because I don't, I just don't think he's going to develop into a polished receiver without the reps. Mm -hmm. All right, Nomad, thanks for that question. Let's go to the next one. Um, rank these positions by importance for the Bears, and what should the Bears focus on the second? Corner, receiver, three technique, OT, uh, inside the offensive lines, you know, we've mentioned it pretty much. Yeah. Um, do you put receiver one or offensive tackle two? I'd probably go receiver and then offensive line, probably bucket off you know, offensive tackle and into your offensive line, depending on who's available. Right. I think okay. go if you have, you know, an Abraham Lucas available or Tyler Smith available, guys that are like fringe first rounders, maybe Bernard Ryman available, then you go off to tackle receiver. I think it's more about, okay, is Pickens there? Is Dotson there? Is Sky Moore there? You can go that direction. And into your offensive line, maybe it's more of a day three need because I think there will be some starters available then. And the reason I don't, you know, maybe prioritize edge is I just don't think there's going to be a lot of talent at that spot. I think linebacker is more of a day three option for them. And corner is very similar. Like corner, you're not getting a lot of outside cornerback talent that can start right away on day two. Mm hmm. Adeptus, thanks for that question. Uh, let's go to the next one, uh, Aldo, if you don't mind. Okay, again, Adeptus, uh, for the fifth-round pick, which position seems more logical for the Bears to, uh, to be drafting? Inside linebacker, running back, or strong safety, if there are any good players? Probably inside linebacker. I think they could look at some of the guys that are a little bit flawed. You know, Malcolm Rodriguez is one. Mike Rhodes mm -hmm. of Iowa State. 
could be available because right. you know, they're not like great from a measurables perspective. Running backs always an option on those late day three right. picks if they wanted to grab you know a compliment to David Montgomery. But still, like getting into that round, right? You're rarely getting guys that can contribute on the high end. You know, you're getting guys that are fringe practice squad types that will be lucky to stick around the league. I think it's more important if you're looking to like address needs. You're obviously focusing on like top 100 picks. Uh, we brought up you know running backs. Your thoughts on David Montgomery? Um, how is he being seen in, around the league? And if God forbid the Bears decide that they want to trade him for a pick or whatever, or move up or whatever they want to do, is, is that worth it, or is it, is he still uh, you know a, a valuable contributor in your opinion? Yeah, I, I I do like him a lot. I think I, I don't know if it is necessary for them to like look for compliments to his skill set. I think the thing that they lack with him is they just don't have like home run speed. Like if they yeah. want to go, they need to go get someone that can like you know blow the top off a little bit at the running back position. That's why I don't. You know, when you look at like who they could take, it's it's some of these guys that are running like low four fours, you know, high four three types that like maybe aren't great tackle breakers and and early down players. But if you can get someone with some legitimate speed and good enough size to complement, I think that's that's the direction they should go. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the next question. Um, speaking of the running backs that we just mentioned, is uh, James Cook a good chase of back, a chase of pace for Chicago? Yeah, I'm, a huge, I'm a huge James Cook fan. I think James Cook is phenomenal. That's exactly kind of the type of back that they're going to look for, right? A guy that can catch it out of the backfield and, and compliment Montgomery. I think he's not going to be available probably in the fifth. I think it's more mm-hmm. likely he's a day two guy, but I like James Cook a lot. Obviously, Dalvin Cook's brother. Right. Thanks for mentioning that. All right, next, go to the next question. Um, obviously, we touched on the quarterbacks. Um, any of them worth, you know, worth where they will be drafted? Um, Kenny Pickett at seven, you know, Malik Wallace at maybe 28 to 32 range. Um, you, you like, all, uh, you know, the, the, the rhetoric kit from uh, Cincinnati. Is that, is that pretty much uh, the, the top three that you see them going in the first round and if they're worth where they're being drafted? Yeah, I, I do think ultimately Ritter will be a value where he's drafted. I think Howell will be a value where he's drafted. Oh, yes, I, yes. I don't know necessarily if if Willis will be right. I don't know if even Pickett will be like it's because they're going to get overdrafted. I mean, it's a league that desperately needs quarterback, and yeah. I, I do think that there's bigger conversation to be had about how much the league has like a developmental problem at the quarterback position. <laughs> and it's you know with with rookie quarterbacks now playing on rookie contracts, teams are more often looking to rapidly put him in the lineup right and, and and maximize that value of a super bowl window rather than you know necessarily um you know, bench up you know bench it behind a guy and all that kind of stuff all right a couple more questions for uh, austin um jerome was says i keep hearing bears are going big and not the skilled position this was obviously uh former nfl personnel uh man uh, greg gabriel who's on our network talk about mm-hmm. this uh do you agree with that this is a good possibility with that, with that uh, you know, thought, train of thoughts? As, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a good interior offensive line class. It's a good tackle class. Say they, you know, double dipped on the offensive line. You go Abraham Lucas and, and Dylan Parham or Abraham Lucas and Darian Kennard, Bernard Ryman and, and um, uh, Cole Strange. Like going double dip along the offensive line is, again, you know, you go back to kind of what I was saying earlier. Like it's not super important that the Bears win football games next year. It's more important that they keep Justin Fields upright and develop him as a talent. And I think that's obviously allocating a lot of the, tra- you know, resources you have into the offensive line uh, and receiving core. All right. Um, <laughs> Don Burr is a Detroit uh, guy who always uh, craps on the Bears. Uh, obviously, Detroit question, how many points will Bear Detroit smoke Chicago? <laughs> yeah, in your dreams, Don. <laughs> but uh, 
Detroit obviously has the second pick. Um, they can't go wrong with any of the edge rushers out there. You know, Trayvon Walker's a pretty popular guy. I don't know. He really shot up the draft boards. Uh, would any of three of them, who out of the three of them, I should say, who's a better fit? I think, you know, honestly, the best fit's Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, he's a Detroit guy, staying in sure, Michigan. Yeah, Michigan guy, yes. Yeah. You know, if I wasn't going to take Aiden, I'd take Kayvon Thibodeau. I, I like Thibodeau a lot, too. I think he's a similar tiered prospect in this class. I think he should be in consideration for number one overall. I mean, that's how good I think Kayvon Thibodeau is. So I don't think they can necessarily go wrong with any of the edges they take. I think in the order I'd take them is probably Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, and then Trayvon Walker. All right. All right. The last question uh... – <laughs> since you're uh, since a PFS in the Cincinnati area, for those who don't know, uh, downtown Cincinnati or Gaslamp District, best party scene for you? I know the you know with the Bengals, yeah, uh, going all the way to the Super Bowl. I got a little bit of a glimpse living in Ohio. You know the parties and the fans going nuts there. Which is your favorite? I think Jordan is referencing Gaslamp to San Diego. I'm I'm originally from Oakland, oh, sorry, California, and then went to San Diego State. But yeah, I definitely oh, going okay, Gaslamp District. Yeah. Um, but I like, I like, you know, I like downtown Cincinnati. I've made the most of it while I'm here, but I'm going gas lamp the whole way. <laughs> True to yourself. I really, really appreciate it. So let me kind of ask a couple of questions uh, to finish up with the bears. Uh, do you like what Ryan Poles has done so far in spite of all the, you know, the Larry Ogunjobi contract fiasco and just going after a bunch of one year, you know, prove it guys, obviously limited, but, what do you see in Ryan Poles and the job he has done so far? Yeah, I mean, I think he's done the best of what, with with what he has, right? Like he's not like entering big long-term contracts that are going to jeopardize the future. He's not trading multiple draft picks to move up in the draft. He's more playing the cards he's been dealt and, and trying to like reassess the situation, right? Moving on from Cleo Mack and obviously not re-signing Allen Robinson. I think they're embracing more of a rebuild than maybe they wanted to be doing after taking Fields and Tevin Jenkins. But I think these are the necessary steps for them to get back on track. Excellent point. Listen, Austin, I, I appreciate you uh, being with us tonight to take all these uh, draft questions. Obviously, you can follow Austin on the uh, Twitter handle you see on the screen. And, uh, you know, Austin, we'd love to have you. You know, your PFF is obviously, uh, uh, you know, uh, the network that a lot of people go to for the football needs and analytics. Uh, you know, our network, we certainly love to have you and the others, you know, uh, Sam Munson, you know, Mike Renner, you mentioned your co podcast colleague and, you know, for the Bears fans, uh, Brad Spielberger, the cap expert, obviously, you know, that are very, very familiar and follow on their Twitter machine. So we'd love to uh, have you guys on, uh, t uh, you know, throughout the season and, uh, you know, good luck to you guys next week. I'm sure you guys are going to be flooded and so busy. It's kind of like a Super Bowl and Christmas all in one day for you guys. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, Stephen. Thank you. We'll keep in touch, and uh, and uh, we'd love to have you back on again. Thank you Sounds so good. much for your time tonight. Ellis Hall, since I came here, has been expanded twice. Both times after we were gone, by the way. So <laughs> we never we never got it. But I mean, it was tiny. Do do you think that uh, Olin Krutz would politely ask you to leave the weight room because it was so crowded? <laughs> you, I told you what Olin. I told you what Olin used to say to me. I know that's why I'm asking. <laughs> no, and and that was at five o'clock when there's you know there's no players around. Here, <laughs> oh, get the f out of my weight room. <laughs> Oh, and I 
I go. <laughs> oh, I think I got a commercial here. <laughs> And we, wel- we welcome you back to the double A team. Uh, Steve Nagishi uh, doing solo tonight in, uh, for Ken uh, Fang, who is off tonight. Uh, I want to thank uh, Austin Gale from uh, PFF uh, for coming on again uh, to take questions. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of people have a lot of questions and I don't blame them. You know, next week is the big day uh, for the NFL draft Knicks, And, uh, you know, the Bears have a lot of uh, you know, needs that they need to be filled. And hopefully uh, Austin gave you guys some questions regarding the players that the uh, positions that the Bears should be targeting. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we love to have uh, P- more PFF people that I mentioned. Uh, Mike Renner, Brad Spielberger, uh, Sam Munson, among others, uh, for our show uh, in the in the coming weeks and then also leading up to the uh, 2022 NFL season as well. So normally, um, you know, Ken and I do the show with the opening monologue, but we wanted to focus on the draft because obviously that's next week and obviously we wanted to spend more time on it. So instead tonight, I'm just going to close out the show with the, you know, the monologue instead of an opening monologue. We'll do the closing monologue and a baseball season is uh, finally uh, started. Obviously, there's a, a, a baseball show coming up. Uh, at the top of the hour, if you're a White Sox fan, please uh, make sure to follow them. Uh, Southside Hitman, I believe, is the name of the uh, show, uh, although I, I apologize if I messed it up. But there's a baseball show coming up. So if you want to talk White Sox uh, baseball, please um, uh, give them a follow and, and uh, follow their show afterwards. Um, both the White Sox and the you know the Cubs are on the uh, uh, Southside uh, South Burbs Hitman. Uh, thank you so much. Make sure to follow them. They start recording at the top of the hour, talking White Sox and uh, other baseball uh, news as well. Uh, both the White Sox and the Cubs are uh, off to a fairly decent start. You know, I'm a Cubs fan. And, um, you know, Seiya Suzuki is off to a pretty good start. And uh, I never expected him to obviously get off this on a hot streak. He won the uh, uh, NL Player of the Week. You know, he batted almost 400 and had four home runs. So, obviously, that was a terrific, terrific start. Um, You know, I'm a Japanese, and I lived in Japan. I followed Japanese baseball uh, fairly when I was living there. Um, You know, Japanese baseball obviously plays while all of us are asleep or just about getting up uh, here in the uh, U.S. uh, time zone. And, uh, you know, Suzuki uh, certainly has really done – his part, you know, hitting four home runs, he had a terrific, terrific uh, uh, start to the season so far. Obviously, when you think of the, uh, you know, the Cubs hitters from Japan, the the most popular or the least popular name, depending on how you look at it, was Kosuke Fukudome back in 2008. You know, he hit a three-run home run against the, the Brewers, you know, that tied a game and he, he was really, really uh, looked like, you know, a, a good, good player. And, uh, you know, he really fizzled. And uh, so far Suzuki has, you know, shown decent power and uh, really, really shown a nice uh, ability to, you know, fend off, you know, swinging 
and uh, be really, really patient at the plate. Something that, uh, you know, if you're Cubs fans like I have been, you know, it drove you crazy with the lack of uh, plate discipline that we saw with uh, the Cubs as great as the, uh, you know, the 2016 was, you know, Bryant, Baez, and in some cases, you know, Rizzo certainly didn't have a plate discipline at times. And, uh, you know, and, and the Cubs had a pretty good series, uh, you know, against Colorado. They had, I believe, 15 doubles in the four-game series. So, you know, will it last? I don't know. Will Suzuki can keep it up? Probably not. But if Suzuki, uh, you know, is the catalyst to the uh, the rebuilding for the Chicago Cubs, hey, more power to it. The other guy that I wanted to mention that I don't think none of us, even myself, was not aware of who's a, of Asian uh, American uh, descent is uh, Cleveland Guardians uh, outfielder Stephen Kwan. Yes, it's the Guardians. It's not the uh, Indians. I know still some people say Indians from time to time. Um, he he began the year 15 straight plate appearances without striking out. He went on base 15 straight times. Incredible start. For those of you who don't know him, he played at Oregon State, was a fifth-round pick in 2018 uh, draft that out of Oregon State. Now, that team was loaded. They won the College World Series. They have so many good uh, Major League players who were drafted from that team. And one of the names that I think the Cubs and the White Sox fans are very familiar with is uh, Nick Madrigal, who was their uh, fourth pick fourth overall, I should say, in that 2018 draft, who, as you know, last year was traded to the Cubs with that uh, Craig Kimbrell trade. And, uh, you know, Madrigal himself is uh, off to a very decent start so far, being a you know starting second baseman for them. And, uh, you know, Stephen Kwan, you know, from Los Angeles, and, uh, you know, he's off to a very good start. Um, you know, the White Sox and the Guardians are obviously in the uh, AL Central. Uh, you're going to see them. Uh, play 18, 19 times this year. So, you know, you're going to hear his name a lot. And uh, if he can keep it up, you know, he might be a sleeper, um, you know, rookie of the year pick uh, in the American League. So it's a good start. You know, obviously Shohei Otani, you know, last year and even this year, um, you know, he had a fantastic start, uh, you know, uh, last year. He got off to a little bit of a rocky start before, you know, he teed off on Texas Rangers pitching, which is a, you know, easy thing to do over the weekend. He had three home runs. So, you know, Otani, you know, as long as he stays healthy and put up big numbers like he did last year, you know, he will always be the, uh, the huge star, but you know, there are, you know, Suzuki's and the Quans of the world who are making, you know, names for themselves in the early goings. You know, a lot of people are probably very much, you know, Disenchanted with the baseball, especially with the the work stoppage, you know, that pushed the season back. And, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have had enough with the baseball, you know, with the bickering between the players and the owners and uh, stuff like that. So but, you know, at least, you know, if you still care about baseball, hopefully you give uh, these two names, uh, uh, you know, uh, follow. Um, the other thing that I also wanted to touch tonight uh, with uh, Ken off tonight uh, is the um, the passing of uh, Dwayne Haskins, who was the uh, the quarterback of the uh, Ohio State University. 
the same school that uh, Justin Fields went to uh, uh, after transferring from Georgia and the controversy, the way he was uh, portrayed. Um, you know, Adam Schefter made a controversial tweet about his struggle obviously it was well documented with the you know the Washington football team uh, you know he was a bust he was released the in his second year latched onto the uh, you know the Steelers was competing for the job with uh, Mason Rudolph and uh, you know Mitchell Trubisky and then he got killed you know crossing the um, the highway in Florida where everybody got together to um, work out and it was a tragedy um <sighs> It's unfortunate that, uh, you know, this is not the first rodeo for Adam Schefter. Um, you know, he just basically tweets stuff that, uh, you know, his, uh, you know, uh, agents of players that uh, post it without any consequences or any ideas. Like, for example, when Dalvin Cook was, if you remember, he was being charged for a sexual assault and battery with the woman that he was dating at that time and probably still is. Um, and then recently Deshaun Watson's, uh, uh, sexual uh, harassment uh, trial and dismissal that did not garner obviously a lot of favoritism and then Gil Brandt the Hall of Fame uh, executive with the Cowboys um, I don't have the audio if you want to go look at it google it it is a uh, probably the, one of the most egregious and most callous thing you're going to hear basically I do remember um Gil Brandt saying that Haskins was living like he was going to be killed eventually and some really, really stupid stuff. I'm not kidding. You know, he said that on the NFL network and then he eventually uh, within an hour after the outrage, um, he obviously offered a typical apologies, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that a lot of the, uh, you know, famous people offer nowadays and, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a sad way to end. And, you know, like I said in the beginning, the way Justin Fields is and the Bears were being covered as if, you know, Fields wanted to be out is just a, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, an S show. And, you know, you know, the mainstream media, whether it's sports or politics nowadays, obviously, you know, people say and write stuff just to rile up fan bases for clicks and comments and um i remember last year i if i if i recall when marty schottenheimer schottenheimer you know the former nfl uh, great head coach you know when won everywhere you know cleveland uh san diego uh washington and kansas city let's not forget i'm sorry there i think the obituary on the washington post the obituary writer that uh Took a shot at him because he only lasted, if you remember, one season with the Washington uh, football team uh, because Daniel Snyder ran him out of town after welcoming him. And, uh, you know, I, I, I that drew a rebuke. I, I was so pissed. And, like, you had to crap on somebody who just died because of their failures and stuff like that. Obviously, um, that went away. And um, I don't know what happened to that writer. Who knows? But. We have to understand that, uh, you know, the coaches and even the players in this case, you know, they're humans, too. Like you said, you know, no, man, I couldn't agree with you more. They're they're humans. Uh, and, and, you know, we treat them as if, you know, just uh, 
nothing more than a cog in a machine that they don't do well in the fantasy, uh, you know, fantasy leagues, baseball, basketball, and football. You know, it's just sometimes we live in a world where we don't look at people like, you know, they don't deserve to be treated with respect and dignity. And, you know, I, I, I'll be the first one to, you know, openly admit I've been angry with certain, you know, players and certain teams, the way they do, do businesses and the, the, the way they conduct themselves. Um, so it's a, it's a, obviously a reminder uh, for all of us, myself included, you know, when Matt Nagy and uh, Ryan Pace drove us crazy last year with uh, the way they conducted themselves in the press conferences and, you know, basically offered us basically nothing but a, you know, a, a word salad that, uh, you know, we finally had it and we all know what happened. You know, his son was a victim of a, uh, you know, taunting that, uh, um, that was not necessarily, uh, in my opinion. And then George McCaskey went completely off board with the, uh, you know, January press conference that I criticized as if like, you had to use, you know, Jeff Dickerson's sons, um, you know, to criticize a high bunch of high schoolers who criticized and booed Matt Nagy and his son. You know, that that was completely outrageous for, for a man of his age to, you know, go off like that. But it's a reminder for all of us, look, you know, to just to just be better, um, you know, next week with the draft. I'm sure there will be a lot of us, uh, you know, paying attention. Uh, and then certain players obviously may may or may not like uh, you might be yelling and crazy. Uh, you know, hopefully none of us will be punching or throwing stuff on TV and destroy the, uh, you know, 50, 60 inch TV that you paid like a pretty good sum of money and uh, having to replace them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a reminder for all of us that, uh, you know, we have to all do better. And, um, you know, it's a reminder that there, you know, there are people out there who will, despite their, um, you know, immense, uh, you know, reputation and the uh, the prestige and being a legend, you know, people like Gil Brandt, you make some slip ups and, uh, you know, uh, you, you're all you're forced to offer a, uh, you know, a cheap apologies and uh, having to, uh, you know, live down uh, and, and having to your reputation so that's a reminder for all of us and uh you know adeptus yeah i honestly think people have become so used to speaking ill especially in the social media circle of famous people on social media the behavior carries on when somebody dies you know thankfully most people still honor the dead and, and i couldn't agree more you know um it's it's not cool to be you know dancing on the grave of somebody or someone that uh, you know uh, of their loved ones as well. And uh, it's a it's a reminder, like I said, for all of us to be better uh, in not just in social media, but in real life as well, where, you know, we interact with the people that you know on a regular basis, whether it's a family member or uh, within your colleagues as well, within your office. All right. Well, listen, um, I really appreciate all of you for sticking around tonight. Uh, for being a solo obviously it's a new experience for me uh not having ken around it felt kind of weird i'm sure it felt weird for you know a lot of you guys as well but uh, 
you know, at least we got to uh, speak with Austin, spend a good, a good uh, 45 minutes or so talking exclusively about the NFL draft. And uh, hopefully next week, uh, all of us will be happy with the Bears selection and the, uh, the jobs uh, that uh, Ryan Poles and his uh, staff are doing to help improve the, uh, the Chicago Bears for this upcoming season. All right, so in two weeks, Ken will be back, and uh, we're expected to have uh, former United States uh, men's soccer team captain uh, Eric Winolda uh, on our show. We were supposed to have him this month, but obviously he had the uh, traveling tournaments with his uh, daughter's soccer team and other stuff uh, this past week that uh, we had to push it back, and uh, we're expected to have him uh, next week to talk about what it's like to represent the United States of America uh, in the uh, competitive uh, field. And uh, uh, hopefully, um, I know a lot of people don't like soccer and I get it, but I think it will be a fascinating story to hear one of the greatest players to represent this country and all that stuff. My name is Steve Nagishi. Thank you so much for uh, watching uh, the Double A team tonight. And uh, thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you in two weeks, uh, start of uh, May, uh, May 2nd. That is also the uh, AAPI Heritage Month. Well, we're going to be focusing on bringing as many Asian Americans uh, as possible on our show who works uh, in the uh, sports and entertainment field, as well as athletes, if possible. Uh, I hope uh, you will uh, join us again in two weeks from now. We'll talk about the uh, NFL draft, if possible. And uh, have a great week, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks from now tonight. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you.